0: so I stepped off the platform in Bangalore, India. After the district assembly, I just wanted to shake hands with people. And down the center aisle came this beautiful young female. Her name was Kavitha, she dressed in this flowing sari gown. She put her hands together and bowed gently and said, Pastor Daniel, my name is Kavitha. May I tell you my story? I said, hello, Kavitha. I'd love to hear your story. She said, my father is now too old to continue pastoring the Church of the Nazarene in Mysore, India. And so the district superintendent, Reverend Solomon Danakadin, asked if I would become the pastor. But she said, I'm a woman, and God hasn't called me to preach. This is a male-dominated culture. I I haven't had theological education. And besides, that city where you're asking me to lead the church is the nest. It's the center of radical Hindu terrorists who hate Christians you want me to pastor there? He said, I do. Would you pray? She prayed, and God called her to become the pastor of that church. Not at the little church that she pastored, but in her humble little home. Now, when you think of Those humble homes in India don't think of yours because they have multiple generations living under the same household in a very Spartan simple home and we've stayed in many of their homes but there in her home she was discipling brand new Christians that she had introduced to faith in Jesus Christ out of Hinduism. So she was teaching them to study the Bible and to pray. She started to hear a noise on the dirt lane in front of her house. And so she stepped out the door and immediately saw this large mob of angry Hindu terrorists. She recognized them immediately. They were Badger And they lifted up their fists and they shouted at her in Hindi language. We're telling you, you close this church in our city and you stop converting these Hindus to faith in Jesus Christ. We want you to get out of here. They were so angry. And I said, so, Kavitha, what did you do? Did you run away? She said, no. I, I took a step toward them, and I said, you listen to me. So here is this young female Indian Nazarene pastor in front of this angry mob of terrorists. And she's saying, you listen to me. We are not forcing any of these Hindus to turn from your thousands of gods to put their faith in the one true living God through Jesus Christ. We're not forcing them. They're choosing with their hearts. And we're not going to close the church and the city. This is also our city. We are not going to leave. You are going to leave us alone. Well, I said, so how did they handle that? She said, they were so mad. They picked up sticks and rocks and they started coming toward me and there weren't very many meters separating us. And so I said, then you ran away, right? She said, no. I took another step toward them and I said, if you're going to take anybody's life, you take my life first. And she said, Pastor Daniel, It was like a story out of the Gospels. She said, do you remember when those accusers brought that woman? They caught in the very act of adultery and they threw her in the dirt at the feet of Jesus. And they said, our law says we can stone this woman for this offense. And Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the dirt. And then he stood up and he said, whichever of you is without sin, you cast the first stone. She said it was the same way that day. Those men Looked at their rocks and sticks, and it was like God dropped this cosmic curtain between them and me. And I watched them as one by one. They walked away. They left us alone that day. And then, she said, I realized I was standing there alone and trembling. So I I went back in my humble little house, and I found those brand new Christians just flat on their faces before God, crying out to Him in ways that I had not yet had time to teach them how to pray. And she said, Pastor Daniel, I realized God answered their prayer that day. But she said, I, I realized something else. And this is why I wanted to share my story with you. I realized that somewhere on the other side of the world, there were my sisters and brothers who were awakened in the middle of the night, and they started crying out to God for the safety of someone they have never met. They'll only meet in heaven. And, Pastor, would you please thank them wherever you go around the world for the way they pray? And So quite honestly, that's one of the reasons that I wanted to come to be with you at Grace Point today, to look you in the heart through your eye gates and to say, thank you, Grace Point. the way you pray. I made three decisions right there in the aisle of that Bangalore, India church that day. First, we decided to enroll Kavitha in South Asia Nazarene Bible College, as if she needed any more confidence than that. And we decided to deploy a Jesus film team to her city, Mysore, India, the nest of radical Hindu terrorists who hate Christians in order that we could share the love of Jesus Christ with them. Because, you know, God loves every Hindu. Now buckle your seatbelts a moment. God loves every Hindu, every Buddhist, every Muslim, every tribalist and animist just as much as he loves you and me. And he sent Jesus Christ, his only son, our Savior, to die for all of our sins. So when you see that lady at Walmart, in the burqa, just lock eyes with her for a moment and pray that God will give you an opportunity to lead a Muslim to Jesus Christ. Because last night, there were 10,000 Muslims in the world who had a vision of Jesus Christ. But they will only know who he is and what he did if you and I will take the time to share with them about our Savior, Jesus, who loves them. So, we send a Jesus film to her village. Power the genera- generators and show the love of Jesus because that's the way we meet persecution. We don't plan to leave. We plan to stay. And we, we don't plan to go down. We plan to go up. And quite honestly, it does not Matter how. Listen, you take me out on the front lines, and I'm absolutely confident that there are people from Grace Point who will step right in line behind me when I'm taken down. And when they take you out, as well they might in these last years of time, as Jesus forecasted, because the world hates Jesus, and if you're in Christ, you will be persecuted for His name and His sake. This is no time for you to be wimpy or weak. This is a time for you to stand stalwart and strong. You see what's coming. You hear it in the news. You understand the perplexity, the complexity of economy and governments that are raging against each other in these last years of time, and you know that Jesus is coming soon. So stand firm. Stand stalwart, church. He's coming again. again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you keep eating your oatmeal and taking your vitamin C because it's very likely that even the older in the room and certainly the younger are going to see Jesus coming in the air in your lifetime. As young as I am, I am absolutely confident, based on what I read in Scripture and what I see in the news, what's happening in the nations, especially in the Middle East, as God fulfills His promises to Israel, I'm absolutely confident that I am going to see Jesus in my lifetime. Hallelujah. And so will most of you. Glory to God. So stay healthy and stay on the front lines. Quit grumping about the color of the carpet or the paint on the wall for Pete's sake. Start locking in like a laser on what God is pouring out in his spirit in these last years of time. Well, I made a third decision. Preaching already. I made a third decision just standing right there in the aisle with Kavitha. We decided to send a man to pastor a church of the Nazarene in Mysore. You say, now now just a minute, you are going to send a man to replace Kavitha after that? No. We sent a man to start the second church of the Nazarene, and to this day, Kavitha continues to pastor the first church of the Nazarene in Mysore. Hallelujah! Those are the kind of champions with whom we have the privilege of serving in the gospel. And this morning, I just want to share with you from around the world some of the stories of what God is doing in the book of Acts church in our very generation. We won't have time to share all of the stories that I have on my heart today, but I am really looking forward to opening the Word of God and sharing with you what God is doing, because there are 28 chapters in the book of Acts, but it's like you and I are living in the time when God is writing Acts chapter 29. This is unfolding in our very day, and what we see in the book of Acts, God continues in our very generation and in this culture in Fort Wayne and this three-county area around your city. Thanks be to God. So I want to share stories with you, and Pastor Brady and Carrie, I just want you to know again, it's a delight to be with you. I love you. I love your daughter, Caden. I'm so pleased that you were here with so many people last night praying until late around these altars. For two hours, we called on the Lord. And and then as we concluded, Robin Anglin, your, your prayer coordinator, said, Pastor, I just believe you need to go around and put oil on all of the doors of this sanctuary so the glory of the Lord will be poured out in power tomorrow morning. And I believe he is... And I'm glad to see it happen. I was just blessed to be with you. Pastor was with us back in January at the Global Ministry Center where I have an office. I'm very seldom there. But I was there those seven days when we called on the Lord together and there were about a hundred people who gathered from day to day to pray over the church of the Nazarene around the world and that God would raise up revival and that he'd touch the nations, that he'd touch the denominations, that he'd touch the generations and make us one around Jesus Christ. Anybody want some of that? So your pastor was there, and I'm just delighted to be one in spirit with you, brother. And Carrie, I love the way you sing and worship. Speaking of worship, don't you love Edgar Fink? Amen? Aren't you glad God sent him to you? Well... When we lived in Italy for several years and uh, loved his brother, Daniel, Daniel and Vanya Fink, I, I started falling in love with Edgar also, and I'm just glad you have an Italian worship leader here. You know, this is a lively Italian, but this is a tired Italian. He's not tired. I love Edgar, and, and I love Rex and Ryan's ministry to youth, and Deb with children, and Brother Javier at the South Campus. Thanks be to God. I loved praying last night with Sue and Robin and husbands and others who were here. Thank you for the joy of being with you today. And thanks, Steve and Gary and Jim, for your ministry and media. You guys are amazing and awesome. Hey, let's get on with it, shall we? I want to share with you what God is doing. But Carol and I were recently in the land of Israel. Anybody been there? I hope you can go someday. Listen, this is a, a talit, a prayer shawl. And Jesus, a Jewish rabbi, would have worn this everywhere he went. And, you know, I thank God that God still has plans to keep his promises to his chosen Israel. And you and I are like wild olive branches just grafted into the vine. Amen? It's not like the church has replaced God's promises to Israel. We don't believe in replacement theology. I checked. We don't. It's never been a part of our history. We believe that we with Israel who believe in Messiah will inherit the kingdom of God one day, just as we've been singing all morning long. I love your worship, friend and you know when jesus came and he was praying before his father abba he would just cover his head with a prayer shawl like this making a portable tabernacle and there hanging at his sides were those seat seat on the edges of the talit the prayer shawl and these are knots and twists and cords that represent the 613 laws of the torah and you remember the woman who came from the crowd, reached out to touch the edge of the hem of Jesus' garment. This is what she was reaching for. She was reaching for the word of God, the command. She wanted to obey the Lord, but she needed to be healed. She was reaching not only for that, but for the living word, Yeshua, Hamashiach, Jesus, the Messiah. And again, when we were in Israel recently, every time we've been there, it's to pray and to lead prayer, even among pastors in Jerusalem and Galilee, uh, Jews and Arabs who pastor churches there of many denominations. We heard the sound of the shofar again, the ram's horn. How many of you have never heard a ram's horn sounded live? Let me see your hands. Well, you're going to hear it today. And you remember the, the, the Psalms, and Psalm 98 says, shout for joy before the Lord, sound the ram's horn and shout for joy. You also remember the story of the, the city where they sounded ram's horns around the city. What was the name of the city? It was Jericho. And who was the guy? It was Joshua at the Battle of Jer. You remember the story. And the walls came a tumbling down. Now, I don't know what kind of walls you might experience here in this culture, in this city, in this three county area around Fort Wayne. I don't know what kind of walls you might have been praying over in the church. the the greater church, and, and, and in this congregation. But I do believe today that just as God brought down the walls in Jericho's day, God removed confusion and bitterness and cynicism, and He brought down barriers. I believe God is able to do that for you in Fort Wayne. And I believe this is a time when God wants to pour out revival like you have never seen in your lifetime. Some of you have been here for decades Some of your parents were here in this church. But I tell you, in the name of Jesus Christ, God is ready to pour out on this church something like you have never seen in the great history of this church in decades past. Hallelujah. I sincerely believe this. I want you to stand to your feet. It's been a while since some of you have actually shouted in church. And I know that some of you are not the shouting type. This morning, while we were worshiping, I just about lost my voice again because of the singing as loud as we are, and I love it. But today I'm going to ask you to shout before the Lord. Not for me. And I'm not playing this for you or for me. Something happens in the heart of the Father, Abba, when he hears the sound of the shofar, the ram's horn. And in a moment, I'm going to play it just like they do, the same pattern, playing it to this day in worship and prayer playing it in Israel and around Jerusalem, even when people are ready to go into battle. It's, It's like Joshua. And when I lower the shofar when I'm finished, I want you to shout before the Lord that he will actually bring down walls in this city against resisting the gospel and that he will raise up righteousness and holiness for his name's sake. I'm asking you not a short or a a, a small little peep. I'm asking you to shout before the Lord today. Shout before Him. It's not for each other. This is for your ears, Abba. And so is this, the sound of the shofar. you were able to bring down walls and barriers and to raise up righteousness and holiness for your name's sake lord we glorify your name we bless your name today hallelujah church hallelujah thanks be to god let's join together in reading the commission that jesus gave yeshua hamashiach gave to all of us his disciples join me full voice Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Friends, it's a commission. It's a commandment. But it is a promise. And by faith today, on this Faith Promise Sunday, we lay hold by faith to what Jesus has, has said to us. And His is the promise to us. Amen? Thank you. Be seated. It's not like I come to bring you faith or a promise today. Faith is a gift of God. By grace we are saved through faith. This isn't of anything that we can do. It's a gift. and. Uh, the promise is all his. He's already made great and precious promises to every one of us today. So faith promise is all about his power, his presence, and his perfect ability to complete what he plants in your heart. He wants to do across these next 12 months, not only in giving, but in offering ourselves to him as we sang earlier this morning. Thanks be to God. Oh, I'm excited about sharing with you. Some of you were asking earlier about our family. This is our son, Ryan, and his wife, Angela, and their four daughters. They're Nazarene volunteer missionaries in Cambodia. And today, they just arrived in Bangkok, Thailand, where she'll finish her breast cancer treatment. She's had chemo. She's lost all of her hair now. She's had surgery. And God has been so faithful. Now she has... 30 treatments across 6 weeks of radiation and some of you have been there some of you know so some of you know how to pray that's our son this is our daughter and uh, her husband chris uh, chris and Cherie are pastoring a brand new church of the nazarene he's an ordained elder and so thanks be to god that he continues to raise up the next generation of frontliners and he will be faithful to you so keep calling on his name, even if you have some in your family who don't know Jesus Christ. God will be faithful to you. When we were pastoring College Church in Nampa, Idaho, on the campus of one of our Nazarene universities, God gave to our pastoral team this definition of vision, and we wrote it down, and then I preached a series of messages. Would you just read it with me? The God-given faith ability to see something with clarity even before it becomes reality, and to seize that opportunity with holy integrity. So vision, the vision for what God is about to accomplish through Grace Point, both campuses, all of your people, in one accord with the body of Christ, the greater body of Christ across this city and many denominations. It's a gift of God, and I hope you see it so that you can, in fact, seize it. When we were pastoring at College Church, God called Carol and me to missions. And he used this very passage in Acts chapter 26. Knelt at a green couch and saw this for the very first time, even though I'd read through the book of Acts often. Where Jesus said to Paul, I am sending you to open... Imagine. Imagine Jesus saying this to you today. I am sending you, students... Young adults, older adults, don't count yourself out. Carol and I have invited 60, 70-year-olds, and certainly lots of students to the field. God is still calling. He's still guiding. He's still pouring out His Holy Spirit. Listen, Jesus says, I am sending you to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they might receive forgiveness of sins And a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me, Jesus said. So all around the world we preach the message of freedom from sin. Not only forgiveness, but cleansing, spirit filling, being sanctified wholly through Jesus Christ. It's not by us, it's a grace and faith gift from God. Thank the Lord. So that became our marching orders to the Eurasia region. And to this field where we led superintendents and pastors and churches all across North Africa and Western Europe, then to the southeastern Europe field. And during those years, the Lord helped us open the first work of the Church of the Nazarene in Turkey, a Muslim nation. God loves Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists. And we watched as God gave them dreams, and then we had the privilege to share the gospel with them. And... Then God called us from Europe to India and South Asia. In Afghanistan, Pakistan, Nepal, Bhutan, Bangladesh, India, Sri Lanka, the Maldives. We were your only Nazarene mission mission couple in those nations. Leading churches, leading leaders, raising up the gospel. Because it's their turn. We were releasing to national leaders the privilege of declaring the word of God. And and what a privilege it is. Never feel badly for missionaries, friends. It's one of the greatest. I love pastoring. I'll always be a pastor. But I love being a missionary to the ends of the earth. Those nations now have one out of every four people, 25% of the world's population, 1.2 billion people live right there in those nations, 1.8 billion, 1.2 billion in India alone. It's an amazing, massive population area. Uh, Today I want to share with you about Book of Acts movements, so open your Bibles to the Book of Acts, would you? When we came back from India and South Asia, I heard them talking around headquarters about this mission movement stuff, and I said, so what do you mean? Have you wrapped words around this so that we can articulate? They said no, so I said, let's do this. The Holy Spirit anoints every movement in Fort Wayne and to the ends of the earth, every movement begins with Holy Spirit anointing. So the Holy Spirit anoints and sustains momentum. If you're going to have a movement, you've got to have momentum. Through Christ-like leaders like you and me who experience holy unrest. You say, what do you mean by holy unrest? I've heard of unrest in the culture. Robin, you're praying over unrest. You can actually see it from where you pray Well, it's, it's like what you experience when you worship. It's, God, give us more of your Holy Spirit. Come and visit and manifest your presence and power here among us. That's holy and rest. It's like some of you who've experienced the, the, you know, the four or five days revival and you say, God, Pour out your spirit on this church one time and let revival just continue for weeks. That's holy unrest. It's like students who are saying, God, I hear what you're doing in the nations, and we want you to visit our youth group like this and our campuses. That's holy unrest. And so we were pastoring our church in St. Louis, Pastor Brady, and on the first three days I was there, the postman brought me the mail. He said, "Uh, Pastor Daniel? I said, yeah. He said, uh, here's your mail. How's your little church? Three days in a row, he asked me, how's your little church? And finally, on the third day, I said, you know, uh, this is not a little church. He said, I'm not asking about your big church. I want to know, how is your little church at home? How's your marriage? How are your kids? How's your family? Suddenly, I realized I was being pierced by the penetrating question of a, a, a Christian postman. And before I could answer his question, he said, You know, Daniel, nothing significant will happen in your big church unless all of the people in the little churches at home and their families start responding to the Holy Spirit. And they come back to the Word of God together. And then they say, Now, we're going to be a house of prayer. I mean, this church is going to be a house of prayer, but our little church is going to be a house of prayer. And that's holy unrest. So I think I need to ask you, all the way to the back of the room. How long has it been since you experienced holy unrest in your little church at home? How much do you want the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this big church? It's time. We're desperate. God, come by your Spirit. And advance concertedly with prayerful strategy Beyond human motivation. So it's like this movement of God has no human fingerprints on it. It's not something that we can orchestrate or initiate. It is born of the Spirit. It's poured out in Spirit anointing. Anybody want some of this? I'm not convinced yet, but you stay with me and we'll get convinced. So in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. Jesus has been crucified, dead and buried. And as he promised, God raised him from the dead on the third day. Hallelujah! And then he met with his disciples, and we see in Acts chapter 1, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Verse 4. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Jesus says, it's red letters, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. In a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. May I ask Are you confident that you have been, that you now are, baptized with the Holy Spirit? Thanks be to God. You can know that before you leave the room today. Jesus said to his disciples, in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to make this power and purpose plain in verse 8. Just read this verse with me, will you please? You will receive, is that the best you've got? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, we want to talk about the ends of the earth here today, and I want to illustrate it with what God is doing in Acts chapter 29. But where does it all begin? In Jerusalem. And where is your Jerusalem? Fort Wayne, and especially your little household of faith. There it is. In your Jerusalem is where Jesus wants to begin all of this. And then, we've got the power and the purpose of the Holy Spirit, but I want you to see in your Metroplex what your Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria look like. Look at this. Two-thirds of this population do not know Jesus Christ. Are you aware of that? More than half of the people have no church home. But even some of the people who go to church someplace don't know Jesus Christ personally. As a matter of fact, there are people, precious people, in this room this morning who might consider yourselves Christian because of the way you were born, the family you were born in. There are many Muslims who consider themselves Muslims based on the same thing. I just grew up in a Muslim household. Listen, you are not a Christian unless you have asked God to forgive your sins. You have repented, confessed and repented. You've turned from sin and you've asked God to forgive you and to give you eternal life. There are people in churches all over this city who don't know Jesus Christ. And two thirds of the population don't. In fact, one in ten were born in another country and 40% under the age of 18 are non-Anglo. So I've been praying over Fort Wayne and this three county area as I've been preparing to come to share with you this morning. Because I want God to visit us in revival. Anybody else agree? You have a population of 250,000 people, and in the three-county area, of 420,000 people right here in Fort Wayne. You've got a lot of stuff going for you, especially young, emerging, developing leaders on campuses right here within a few miles of this center of worship. It's an amazing opportunity for this church. And I want you to see the number of households. And the breakdown of those households, married couples, and non-families, individuals. And then I want you to see the racial demographics. And this church really needs to fairly represent the racial demographics of this community. Amen? This ought to be like an international church of Jesus Christ. and. Then look at the age demographics. 36% are under the age of 24. Everybody in the room under age 24, just stand up a minute, would you please? If you're under the age of 24, just stand up a minute. I want to see you, and I want everybody to see you. Under the age of 24, remain standing. Listen, in this area, you represent 36%, but in the whole world, global population, you represent 50% of the world's population today under the age of 24. Imagine the opportunity if we can access their hearts for the gospel and for Jesus Christ So you are half of our present But you are all of our future Let's hear it for the next generation shall we thank you you may be seated Thanks be to God Thanks be to God And listen there are at least 150,000 people within 20 minutes of where we worship God this morning in freedom. I, I saw no security people in many of our churches around the world. There are armed security people at doors. We've been in many of those churches. I didn't see any security people. There are, there are... This is a place where people can come freely to worship Jesus Christ. And there are 150,000 within 20 minutes of here who are on no church's responsibility list. And even if you spread those across about 350 Christian churches in this community, this church... And all of those other churches can grow significantly and the Holy Spirit will only come and visit the church, the body of Christ, when we're as concerned about each other in the body of Christ as we are about our one little stream. This is just one stream in the great river of the Holy Spirit flowing in the nations around the world today. Hallelujah! And this city is the, the headquarters for four denominations. And look, you've got a couple of Jewish. I mean, if Jews come to know Mashiach, Messiah, Yeshua personally, just imagine, they've got it all. Thanks be to God for the place where you live. And, and I just want to stand here and commend you and affirm you for the ministries in this church, for children and youth and young adults and small groups and outreach and women and men and all of the rest. I thank God for Fort Wayne, Grace Point, and for your south campus with Javier. Thanks be to God. So in Acts chapter 2 then, we've got the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The wind, the fire, the languages so that people on the streets could actually understand the gospel in their own languages. They said, yeah, listen to this. They could understand. And then Peter stood up and he said, look, verse 17, chapter 2. In the last days... These are the last days. Have you ever wanted to live in Bible times? Wouldn't it have been cool to live in Bible times? Well, I'm telling you today, friends, these are Bible times. If I have ever seen Bible times in Old or New Testament, according to the Word of God, these are the days... When God is fulfilling His promises and His purposes like we have not yet seen in any previous generation, I tell you, these are Bible times. And in the last days, God says, I will pour out My Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will what? See visions. Your old men will... Dream dreams, but not about the good old days. Not even in the good old days in this church. Your old men and women will dream dreams about what God yet to pour out in the Holy Spirit when He brings revival all across this area. So we want to take the church where the church is not yet. We want to raise up the church, and I took a whole bunch of leaders, 35 leaders from several nations, back to India and Sri Lanka recently. We visited brand-new Nazarene churches. Here are pictures that my wife took one Sunday morning with this brand-new Nazarene congregation in Sri Lanka. We lifted up the arms of leaders and prayed over them. It was a prayer vision journey through Sri Lanka and India. And then we actually visited some of our Child Development Centers for Compassionate Ministries. We loved on those kids where they're learning after school about Jesus and loving to read the Bible. And then, after I loved on them a while, I stepped out. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. You know, that's what Paul said in Romans chapter 15. Well, so here we are in this Hindu village high in the mountains of Sri Lanka. No church at all. We had Nazarene Compassion Ministries and a child development center. So I stepped out and I saw a whole group of parents standing in this open-air courtyard. And I said, whoa, this is an opportunity. And one of my Sri Lankan colleagues said, Daniel, preach the gospel here. And I said, man, you can get dead for doing that in a Hindu village. He said, we'll go ahead. (laughs) So I said, okay, so you'll interpret for me? He said, let's go. I preached the shortest message I've ever preached, and I shared about the love of Jesus, his death by crucifixion, his resurrection from the dead, his praying for them that very day at the right hand of Jesus. And then I asked, as Carol snapped another photo, how many of you understood what the interpreter just shared from my simple message today? They raised their hands. So I said, I'm not dead yet. I might as well do what Billy Graham would do. Let's just do an altar call right out here in the middle of this Hindu village. And so I invited people who wanted to put their faith in Jesus Christ to raise their hands. Many of them did, and we came around those parents of those children and prayed with them to receive Jesus Christ as a gift by faith. It's God's promise. And before we left that village, we planted a new Nazarene church in another Hindu village where the church was not yet. Praise God. So later that day, we drove down into the Highland Valley and we set up the Jesus film the generator we just attached the screen to a guy wire and a stump and, and tied it down and And started to show Jesus behind this Hindu temple, right out here in this open-air courtyard. You can see the screen right over here on the right. Well, I ran around to the front of the Hindu temple, shot a little video, came back just as they started the Jesus film. And when we started it, it started to sprinkle lightly in Sri Lanka. Now, we've been in Sri Lanka many times. We intended actually to live there before I was uh, notified that I'd just been elected to lead 159 nations in missions. So we love Sri Lanka. And, And I know what's next. I know if it starts to sprinkle, we're going to have a downpour. So I started to step off to the side, and I said, Lord, just hold back the rain for a few minutes so we can show this whole film. And it's in their language. You know, how many of you have seen the Jesus film? In hundreds of languages. So in Sinhalese, we're showing, and Jesus is actually speaking to them in their mother tongue. It's like the day of Pentecost. It's an outpouring in Acts chapter 29. This is your story. This isn't my story. This is because of the way that you pray and, and you give and you send and you go. And I'm just here to say thank you. So it was amazing. Uh, we watched the film and, and continued to sprinkle. And by the end of the story where Jesus is being crucified now, And there's thunder and lightning in the film. Now, all over the mountains of Sri Lanka, that island just south of India, some of you remember it as Ceylon, Ceylon tea, tea plantations. All over those mountains, uh, just thunder and lightning and a downpour, we were being drenched and soaked. And I thought, oh, Father, just a few more minutes now and we can share the gospel. They went ahead, finished the film, and then they invited people. A Billy Graham altar call right there in the middle of that Hindu village. No other church presence. And one older man stepped to the middle of the circle. Thank God for older men and women. Well, I just went, put my arm around him, started praying in English. And when they saw that we weren't going to do him any harm, then 30 other people responded from that village, Hindus, to ask Jesus to forgive their sins. And I prayed with them for a while. Then I noticed around the edge of the village, the the town square, that there were people standing out of this downpour of rain on their little stoops and their little porches in front of their house trying to stay out of the rain. So once a pastor, always a pastor. Brady, I just went house to house and prayed house by house for those families. Well, the next morning, as we stood around, one of the Sri Lankans said, you guys don't have any idea what was going on there last night, do you? Well, yeah, we showed the Jesus film. People invited Christ to forgive their sins. It was amazing. Well, he said, I didn't think you knew what was going on. Listen, that village has not had rain for three months. Ninety days they have been without rain, and they're totally dependent on rain. They have no other source. The nearest well is kilometers away in another village. Their crops and flocks were wilting and dying. Their women were getting sick. Their children were malnourished. They didn't have water. And the people had been going in that Hindu temple and lighting candles and praying to their thousands of gods, please send rain, but no rain. And then, when Jesus is being crucified, and God opens the heavens, and there is this mighty downpour of rain, the people were standing there last night saying, oh, this must be the God who hears and answers prayer. So maybe if we ask him to forgive our sins like Jesus said we could, maybe he'll answer that prayer too. Hallelujah! Thanks be to God. So, we planted that day the second church of the Nazarene in a Hindu village where the church is not yet. And I want to thank you for praying like you do for persecuted Christians all around the world because so many of our sisters and brothers are under such resistance and persecution, threatened for their lives in these nations in red, especially where the church is not yet. Fort Wayne Grace Point, I want to thank you for the way that you give in Faith Promise for 159 nations deploying missionaries from 27 world areas, more than 700 missionaries this church supports. It's one of the geniuses of the way we do this in our little denominational stream. You actually invest in every one of those missionaries when you give for missions through Faith Promise this year, every one of them, including... Lonnie and Connie Norris, and please give them a big hug for me tonight when they come. Don't miss their testimony and their story, and especially Yuri's story tonight. You want to be here tonight to hear them. We love them on front lines. You can see the way the church is growing around the world, and you can see that your giving supports education. It it supports all of our medical and compassionate ministry. All of our ministry around the world is supported through your faith, promise, giving through this church and World Evangelism Fund, and I just want to stand here and say thank you so much for the way you give. More than two million Nazarenes in 159 areas. Last year, more than 144,000 new members and more than a thousand new churches organized globally. So we have more than 28,000 churches now. And on average in the church of the Nazarene, we convert a new Christian every three minutes around the world. We baptize a new Christian every six. We welcome a new member every four minutes and we welcome 395 new members every day. In fact, Globally, around the world, we start a new church every eight hours in the Church of the Nazarene. Thanks, Peter. To- it's your story. It's your story. This belongs to you. It's not mine. It's, and if that doesn't light your fire, quite honestly, your wood is wet. You probably got caught in a Sri Lankan downpour or something. So I just want to stand here this morning and say thank you. I am grateful to be part of a missional church that has World Evangelism Fund. Because of World Evangelism Fund, several missionaries were enabled to come to Africa, to a part of my world where they shared the gospel. And because of them, my grandparents, my parents, and me today, third generation Nazarene, we found the gospel. And I have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life and have an opportunity to serve because Of World Evangelism Fund. Thank you for the way that you give. You're amazing. I want to just share with you another quick story or two, and then I'm finished. But I want to know first: Is God calling you with mission passion to the nations? So, out of the Book of Acts, the story continues. Obviously, with a crippled beggar who stands, and Peter and John come come and say, "I don't have any silver or gold, but what I give you, I give. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and be healed and walk." And then there's great praise. He just leaps in the temple courts, as you remember. That's happening in Bangladesh, Muslim culture, where just recently in one district assembly in this very room where we've been many times, we ordained more than 193 brand-new elders in one district assembly. Thanks be to God. And the book of Acts story continues. There's great preaching among people like that in Bangladesh in Acts chapter 29. And great people... Common, ordinary people, it says, and they took note that they had been with Jesus. When you've been with Jesus, the whole world knows. In the Horn of Africa, they've been with Jesus. In Ethiopia, we took recently a a team of people from many nations And in Ethiopia, Nazarenes worship like this. Edgar, for about uh, 15-20 minutes. Nazarenes worship in Ethiopia, jumping up and it's great cardiovascular exercise. I would never expect you to do that in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I promise. I'm not asking, I'm not suggesting you should. But I do need to warn you that when you get to heaven, next door to you, in heaven are going to be some people from Ethiopia who, who work. They wake up at five o'clock in the morning and they're just worshiping the Lord at the top of their voice like this. Hallelujah. Don't you love it? It's going to be wonderful in heaven. And I have a feeling that Grace Point is going to be right alongside many of them unless you've got to be over in dance 101 where many Nazarenes will have to go first. So, so we were, we were there in Metu, Ethiopia. And uh, I I preached the gospel, and then I invited the people to respond in the civic center, not a church. I just drew a line across this slide, and the people in front of that line had responded at the end of the service, and we prayed over them. And then I asked the pastor, Yadetta, in that village in Metu to show me one of his churches. This is his house on the left. They outgrew in a Bible study the space they had in their little living room. And so they put up sheet metal and plastic tarps, and they just made a chapel attached to the side of their house. This is a Muslim village in Ethiopia. And so this pastor is persecuted. He's kicked and beaten, and he's thrown into jail for his faith. And then he comes back to this humble little church, just a dirt floor, poles holding up the sheet metal and plastic tarps, bare light bulbs, and I said, Pastor, how many people can you seat in this sanctuary? He said, 250 at one time. Well, I said, what do you mean at one time? He said, we fill this four times every Sunday. I said, you have 1,000 people in this church? He said, that's not the end of the story. God has enabled us to organize 15 other churches in surrounding villages just like this church in the last three years. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! It's not my story, it's your story. It's God's story. And and I thank the Lord for the way they love the word. And, and they love to pray with great passion, even when persecuted. We're telling you, stop talking about this, Jesus. And the disciples said, we can't help but speak the things that we have seen and heard. Great passion. And then they went back and they prayed this great prayer, God, enable your servants to declare the word with great boldness. Amen? Great prayer. I want to just close with this story from Cali, Columbia, a drug cartel crime center in South America. Cali, Columbia, the Church of the Nazarene started there 27 years ago with 15 people. After 12 years, they had grown to 31. 12 years, they just doubled to 31. And the pastor said, God, we're exhausting ourselves. We don't know what to do. How can we reach this city? And God said, I want you to change your DNA. Well, they even changed their name. You don't have to change your name. Grace Point is lovely. But they changed their DNA to become Casa de Oración, Iglesia del Nazareno, a house of prayer church of the Nazarene. Been there several times. Loved to preach there. It's now the largest church of the Nazarene in the world, simply because they decided that they were going to become a house of prayer prayer and fasting. Tuesday mornings they just push all of the white plastic stackable chairs to the walls and they march around that sanctuary like a mighty river in the spirit, Pastor Brady. And on Wednesdays they pray and fast three hours at a time. The youth pray at 3 a.m. It's a house of prayer. Once a year they rent a stadium and they invite the city. This one church invites the city and they preach the gospel and thousands come to put their faith in Jesus Christ because God says when you become a house of prayer When by faith, according to my promises, you decide not only to give your money, but you give your heart and your life for the 420,000 people who live within 20 minutes of this church, then I'll come and pour out my Holy Spirit on this place. Anybody want some of that? I do. I want it for you. I want it with you. Stand to your feet with you, please. So you want a church that looks like this, prayer light? prayer is kind of outside or do you want a church that's got prayer along with all of the other busy ministries or would you like to become a house of prayer where prayer actually is the center of everything Jesus is at the heart of it all and every ministry is engaged in prayer that's a house of prayer and I'm sharing this story from Cali Columbia because I have every confidence pastor that based on what God has given to you in gifts and fruit and to your team I believe that this church is on the edge of breakthrough in the Holy Spirit. And you're going to see in the next few months and years something like you have never seen before. Thanks be to God. Read the words from the screen with me, would you please? These are the days of Elijah declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant Moses. Righteousness being restored. And though these are days of great trial, of famine and darkness and sword, still we are the voice in the desert crying, Prepare now the way of the Lord. And these are the days of Ezekiel. The dry bones, say it again, the dry bones becoming as flesh. These are the days of your servant David, rebuilding a temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest. The fields are now white in the world, and we are the laborers in the vineyard, declaring the word of the Lord. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. Pastor, I'm going to ask you to come and lead us in prayer, but I'm telling you, I want to kneel at this altar at Grace Point, and if you are Would like to ask God, 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 my future, if you need my life, I give you not only my money, I give you my life as an offering. If you'd like to make sure that your house becomes a house of prayer, gather your family and let's come and pray together for a few minutes. Pastor's going to lead us before we offer our commitments to the Lord. Let's sing together, shall we? And let's cry out to the Lord for revival. Come on, let's pray, church. Let's get on our knees before the Lord. Students, you lead the way. God, we want we want you to visit us. Amen. Pastor, lead us, would you?